And now a reading from Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 30. If you are able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today the scripture is fulfilled by in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there are many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of Yet not one of them was cleaned, only Naaman and Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, dear friends. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today to deliver words that come from your word. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, you will speak through me, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing to you, because you are my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, one of my favorite TV shows when I was growing up was Mission Impossible. Jim Phelps received his secret mission assignments from a mysterious voice on a tape recorder. Listening carefully, Phelps would hear the voice say, your mission, should you decide to accept it. And then he would explain it. And then what would happen? The tape would be destroyed. Every single time, the mission was risky. Every time, he and his team would choose, though, to seize the adventure and all that went with it. At least they knew what their mission was. Wouldn't it be great if God would send out an email or a text and tell us what we're supposed to do? That would be really nice. Yet God has his own process and his own way of revealing our mission, if we are willing to take the time to discover it. So on, um, on that day, on a mountain in Galilee, God revealed his mission. Jesus met his disciples there, and he said to them in Matthew chapter 28, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is our mission, both as a church and as individuals. Go, if we choose to accept it, go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teach them to obey everything Jesus had taught. Now this is what we are called to do. However, most of us get stuck with the how. How do I accomplish this mission? And are we willing to say, here I am, Lord, use me. But it's not only the how, but the who we are to go to. So where do we begin? So often, though, we are paralyzed to act. We don't know what to do, can't move. And we're afraid to take the risk and seize the adventure in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's begin by looking at our gospel reading today from Luke 4. We join Jesus in the, in, in the synagogue in his own hometown. He's handed a scroll from Isaiah, and Jesus unrolls it to the part of chapter 62, 1 through 2. And as Pastor Michelle had told us last week, this is Jesus' mission. We could also say his mission statement. It's a key passage that sets the tone for the entire theme of Luke. It's the key that says to seek and to save those who are lost. I want you to want us first to examine Jesus' mission statement to see how it applies to our lives as his disciples today. And second, we're going to look at the reactions of the worshipers when Jesus proclaimed this mission. <clears throat> you see, Jesus was concerned with both the spiritual restoration of people and their actual physical needs. They could not be separated. They were one. He didn't separate them. And so I want to say that as we move into the scripture, I want us to caution ourselves. It's good for us to remember that we, the disciples of Jesus Christ, are about advancing the kingdom of God, making disciples in our community, and for that reason only, and for no other reason. I love what Desmond Tutu once said. He said, I don't preach a social gospel. I preach the gospel, period. The gospel, our Lord Jesus Christ, is concerned for the whole person. When people were hungry, Jesus didn't say, now is that political or social? He said, I feed you. Because the good news to a hungry person is bread. And so the scripture was, 
the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord, Lord's favor. So I want us to look at a few thoughts on verses 18 and 19 as to how to do the work of the Great Commission. First, there's preaching good news to the poor. Of course, there, we always, almost always look at the spiritual side of this particular verse, preaching to the poor. But there is the poor in spirit. They're the ones that recognize they have spiritual poverty and that they need God. They need forgiveness. Preach the good news to the poor. Because how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? It is our mission, should we decide to accept it, is to share the story of Jesus and the saving grace and forgiveness of God that he freely gives. Jesus said the poor will always be with us, and so part of our mission is to address the physical needs of the person. There are homeless in the streets, homeless who have a roof over their head at Hope Ministries, those subsisting on welfare, the working poor who live under the poverty line and lack the money for everyday necessities. There's food insecurities, lack of education for good paying jobs, and the need for shelter. Those feeling they're at a dead end and believe they have nowhere to go. Some can't find shelter and are living in tents or their cars. How about the person who has to take the bus to go to the grocery store? Have you ever tried it? I have. You know how hard it is to go to the store and you have to decide what you can carry home. You not only have to carry those bags onto the bus, you have to get them off the bus and walk home. It's very tedious and you don't get everything you need because you can only get what you can carry. There are ways that we as Evangel Heights are trying to help the poor, to bring their life into a more dignity and better way of living. In our beacon this week and last week, we have had something on there called Kids Peace. It's for foster care. There are youth out there with their siblings that have nowhere to go. They need a family, someone who can bring them in and love them and help them to grow both emotionally and physically, education-wise, and so on. So are you the one that might have that safe place for that youth and their family? We do supply Broadway Christian Parish's pantry, and we also give financially so that they can have hot meals. Our church has also decided to adopt a 
a class at McKinley School right down the street. A first grade class, we're going to supply them with the materials they need to learn with. But we are also asked to consider giving our time to helping children read, help the teacher with, with helping wrangle kids because there's a lot of children in that school that come from poor families, that come from immigrant families, that can't speak English. And so we need to look at these things and say, what can we do to help the poor? And then there's freedom to the prisoner. Now the spiritual side of that is emotional and spiritual bondage. Now what I mean from that is you can be in bondage to fear where you are so paralyzed that you cannot move. You're afraid to go anywhere. You're afraid to answer your phone. Those kind of fears. Fears of failing. Fear of being, reject, fear of being rejected. There's fear. Uh, there is a spiritual side of that bondage that is sin that is holding us down. And we can't move forward. And so... We need to be part of the lives of people so that they can get past that being paralyzed. They can live a life of peace and joy that brings them wholeness through the love of Jesus Christ. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. All people need spiritual freedom in order to reflect the Lord's glory and be transformed into his likeness, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are the vessels of his Spirit. Now there's the physical side of the freeing the prisoner. Now this isn't quite as easy. These are the people who are incarcerated right now. Did you know that over 2.1 million people are in prison? In our nation alone, that's not the world. We must ask ourselves, what has caused such a rise in this population? And it has risen a lot, even just since 1950. When we watch the movie 13 that the Dismantle Racism Task Force offered us, my eyes were really opened to the injustices that are happening in our world that we don't even know are happening. I can't go through the whole thing now because I could go on a sermon just in this subject. I want you to, I'm encouraging you, please watch the movie and see what that undercurrent is that is causing the number of people that are in prison right now. And let's see if we can find a way to be catalysts to change this trend. How else would the prisoners know Jesus unless we go to them, visit them, send cards, but here's, here's something maybe we've never thought about. Many who do receive freedom from the bars of a prison are still not free when they come out. 
There's nothing for them to go back to. They can't find a job. And they begin living, as always, in survival mode. Getting the basics. Doing things they shouldn't do. Be able to live. Someone convicted as a felon has been branded for life. They can't get a job. Who's going to hire them? They don't have any skills. They've sat in a jail, but have we taught them anything? Have we helped them to become people who have a mission, a purpose in life? Can we as the church help them in some way to truly be free from the mistakes of their past? They need hope, and hope is right here. Here's a thought, and this is just a thought, something to mull over. What would happen if we sponsored one or two people, whether man or woman, and paid for their education in, um, in a skill, in a trade school? What could that do if we would do that? Put our money where we can help someone to have dignity and to move forward in life and not be paralyzed in one spot. These are just points. This is a point of discussion. Something to think about. Another way of doing ministry to the poor and the, the imprisoned. Recovery of the sight to the blind. Spiritual sight is, to, is for someone to recognize the weight that sin has on their soul. There are many who have not heard of the hope that is found in Jesus, but it's through relationships that we can be a light that shines into another's soul to open their life to abundant life. Now, I believe in the power of miracles, and I also believe that those with physical and intellectual disabilities can teach us a lot. Through the years as I have worked with people with disabilities, I learned more about Jesus through them than they learned from me. They are so loving and open, kind. We have to remember that they're spiritual beings that need to hear that Jesus loves them and to give them hope. Do you remember the exchange Jesus had with his disciples? The disciples had spotted a blind man, who had, uh, a man who had been blind since birth. And they said to Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus replied, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. My friends with disabilities, they display God many times. We may not heal the physical blindness, but there is more to the person than that physical trait. And we, as God's church, are called to bring the healing balm of acceptance and respect and help them to become disciples of Jesus Christ. Release the oppressed. What is meant by oppressed? Oppression can take many forms. 
People can feel pressed down from great calamity or the consciousness of their sin. There is the oppression of the burden from the cruel or unjust expectations or restraints of others. Some are subject to burden, a burden or a harsh experience or exercise of authority of power over them. Others are weighed down by thoughts or feelings that lie heavy on the mind or the spirit. Jesus wanted all people to be heard, to be seen, to be helped, to be appreciated, to be built up, to be whole spiritually as well as physically. And so your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to continue the work of being disciples, making disciples. Now let's look at the second part of this reading. It's the reaction that people had to Jesus's proclamation. The ancient words of hope and restoration came to life that day as those words were read by the one who this prophecy was written about. The first reaction, here was the man, Jesus, one of their very own. Look at that. One of our own is making something of himself. They had heard him that he had done amazing wonders all over the countryside. They were impressed by him and his eloquent and gracious words. Wow, isn't that Joseph's son? He is doing well. We're really proud of him. There had to be more said than this one sentence, though, because of the way Jesus responded to them. Apparently, this amazement didn't result or give way to faith. If he were going to have the audacity to say that he was the one about whom Isaiah wrote, then he ought to do for us what he's done for others, shouldn't he? When he sat down to teach, though, which was the custom, the worshippers' eyes were fastened on him, but they only saw Joseph's son. They did not see the Son of God with the power and authority, the Messiah. When Jesus said, the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, their lack of faith began to show. As quickly as they were amazed, the people turned on him in rage. What caused the people to push back in this response? They may have been thinking, how dare he start telling us about the Gentiles God has blessed. The Gentiles weren't Jews. They're nothing but heathens. We are God's chosen ones. If it is true that they are the chosen ones of God, I mean, sorry, it is true that they are the chosen ones of God. However, they weren't chosen so they could exclude, exclude every other nation in the world. It seems they had forgotten the words of the prophet Isaiah in chapter 42. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness, and I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles. And he also continued in chapter 49, and I will make you a light to the nations 
that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. The Jews were called to shine the light of God to the whole world, not exclusively to the Jews. They were inward focused instead of outward focused and forgetting the divine destiny. Jesus came to all people, including the poor, the prisoner, the brokenhearted, the oppressed, and those any society deems unworthy. As disciples of Jesus Christ, ex expect that not everyone will want to hear the good news of Jesus. They're going to push back. But our mission, if we choose to accept it, is to make disciples for the transformation of the world. Jesus moved in spite of what they said to him and tried to do to him. He expects the same of us. Think about this. Who would you consider to be a good disciple material? And who would not? Could it be that the homeless guy on the corner, the displaced family at Hope Ministry, or the elderly in a nursing home facility. We cannot be too quick to dismiss others because of their perceived unlikeliness as God's servants. Take time to consider the mission. Proclaim the good news to the poor. Comfort the brokenhearted. Visit, send a card, be an advocate for someone. Be there to comfort another. Be aware of the needs around us and go, move. Be the disciple who makes disciples. We can easily say we're too busy. Someone else will do it. Be apathetic to the craziness of this world. We may even say, God, why don't you do something? God did do something. He created us. And, and we are his hands and feet in the world. So we are called to the mission to go make disciples for the transformation of the world. It's your mission if you decide and choose to do it. Amen.